Welcome back, everyone, to R2Cast number 140. And here, 10 away from 150, such as the way of numbers, kind of mad to think just how many episodes we've had at this point, in fairness. It's all going quite good. The next episode we have is with Bethany Walsh. Bethany made it to Goratchep, which is the last step before base camp on Everest. So she made it to about 5,120 metres, I believe it is. Base camp's about 5,200. Completely incomprehensible heights from uh, Aaron. The highest peak is Goldfell, 874 metres, about seven times that. Um, the highest peak in Scotland, about 1,200, about four and a half times that. Like Just mental f- figures that we can't even comprehend. I saw Kilimanjaro a few months ago and a few weeks ago in the flesh, and even it is only um, is not that height. So, yeah, it wasn't that easy a story for her. She got the last helicopter um, for three days and honestly says, had that helicopter not taken her, she doesn't know if she'd be here to tell this story. So a really good episode there that could have been, or maybe could not have been literally. Our last episode, and I look forward to seeing this because I've told our guest today that he does know this person very well, but he doesn't know who it is. And our last episode three days ago was with another member of the same Young Farmers Club as today's guest, and that person was Louise Patterson. So Louise is going to talk about... Uh, <laughs> I'm glad at the face that I've just seen in today's guest. Louise talks Good about... Guess. <laughs> uh, Louise talks about her life in Young Farmers, her new job, work, all that sort of stuff at uh, Home Farm. Um, it's a good episode there, uh, and someone that has been through the ranks with young uh, and young farmers with Louise is today's guest, and today's guest is John Austin. John, would you like to say hello? I'm all right, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> hello, hello. <laughs> um, just before we get started with another episode of the R2 Cast, I would like to thank our primary sponsors, Howden Rural, formerly known as Aplan Rural. Howden are heavily involved in the social media scene in the ag space with over 100,000 followers on Instagram. They use this following to host social media takeovers with farmers throughout the country to showcase their stories, as well as posting to their rural community blog with further articles about these people in the sector. On top of this, they like to support initiatives that are championing the British agricultural industry, such as myself. So thank you to Howden Rural for that. John and I have known each other for what will be John? What two years? No, not quite two years. Year and a half. And a bit there somewhere, aye. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what an eighteen months it's been. One of the best, John. It really has. Uh, every day I think <laughs> about you. Um... <laughs> this is going to be one of those episodes that not much is going to get done. I have this feeling. Uh, John... Very few words, just a lot of laughter. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, no words, no words. Uh, for those of you that have followed me, especially on sort of R two K for for. It'll be, yeah, at least 18 months, probably about 20 months, I think it is, uh, the start of last year. I spoke at the dinner dance for the Lower Nithsdale Young Farmers Club. I wasn't a member at that stage. I wasn't even a member of Young Farmers at that stage. Kind of mad to think where I am now, in fairness, the poor organisation. But um, I went to speak at the club uh, dinner, and as bad as it might have been, that was fine. But you may have seen a photo of me... <laughs> It is the worst photo of me in the world. There's two lovely old ladies sitting next to me. We're having a bit of fun, having a bit of laugh, giving them a wee bit of chatting up, as you always do. And suddenly, John, Will, Colin, and some others decided to say that, how to put this, my kilt wasn't doing its job in hiding what it should. So I then... Something was showing. <laughs> apparently so. 
Turns out you were all just <laughs> lying, but I got very scared. I really didn't know these people at this point. Probably weren't as close enough to say friends. So I'm sitting there trying to hide the goods, petrified. I look like I've been in a roller coaster. So that is about when John and I's, and I don't want to say friendship after that description began. <laughs> what a time it's been. What a time it's been. Um, give 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 the listeners, John, a wee bit of background about yourself. What's 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 the the story of a young John Austin? <clears throat> Gosh, a young John Austin. Is that, well, oh, maybe you're still a young John Austin. Maybe you're still a young John Austin. Definitely at heart anyway, but definitely, I don't think many people would think that looking at my hairline anyway, that's for sure. <laughs> um, but no, a young John Austin would join Young Fartlore and Australia Young Farmers Club. Kind of that kind of time when I was leaving school, joining and starting at the Barony uh, in 2012. Um and yeah, I'd been involved in the club ever since. Was on the committee for a good seven or eight years. This was a committee member, and then I was finally chairman of the club in two thousand and nineteen. Um, God, everyone will be taking a drink every time I say the word M. <laughs> uh, and then following that, I did D and G chair, and. I've been on West uh, Committee as well. This was a committee member as well. So that's a kind of brief overview of my kind of young farmer's career. And, and yeah, and that this year, I'm, I'm nothing. I'm just a, a has-been. A has-been. Well, I mean, here, it has-been or has-not, I don't know. But the, um, this year certainly been a good one for you with a good one for you with young farmers, which we'll get into later. Um, but tell us tell us about the home farm, John. What's, what's, the, what's the farm side like? Um, so we're kind of we rent uh, a farm on Pertrack Estate, not Cowhill Estate. Everyone always thinks we're on Cowhill Estate, um, but we're actually on Pertrack Estate, the same estate that has the big fancy gardens that um, are open once a year um, to the general public. Um, and we, our family's been here. Uh, I'll be well, assuming I. I get a tendency. Um, I'll be the third generation. Um, my grandpa um, came here, gosh, I'm not even going to say the year. I'll probably get it wrong. A long time ago anyway, that's for sure. Um, and then uh, then my, my uncle and my dad uh, farmed after him. And then my uncle gave up a few years ago. Well, definitely a few years ago now. And then... <laughs> My dad took on this farm as well, which is all in the same estate, obviously. And um, I, so really, we moved up here in 04. And um, I, I dare say, if you looked at a picture of the farm in 04 compared to now, it would be quite different. Um, you know, a lot of, you know, we've put a lot of effort and and really kind of grew the business up here a bit. Um, just, uh, I probably should have mentioned about a dairy farm at the beginning. I was going to ask you in a minute. I'll let you see where you went for it. <laughs> I'm sure you'll can edit this all to make it more make more sense. I think it sounds class. Um. Anyway, yeah. So we're a dairy farm, milking about 160, 170 cows, um, crossbred cows. Um, to be a wee bit different to something we've always done. Um, before it was, you know, it's definitely a more popular option now. Um. Dad, dad's done it for a long time. Kind of, 
well, I wouldn't say crossbreeding, but he probably just likes to muck about with things and experiment a wee bit. But um, just trying to get a kind of more kind of all rounder of an animal, you know, something that's a bit stronger and long lasting. And um, so yeah, um, so we've 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 had a handful of sheep as well on and off over the years, but majority of the time we've had a handful of sheep as well, um, as well. So yeah, crossbreeding between what John. Um. So, oh gosh, we've got a bit of everything. Right. Uh, so we've got your host. We start off with Holsteins and Holstein Frisians. Um, Daz and Montbelliard uh, fans. So we've we've always bred with them. Uh, we've had over the years we've had we've milked Simitals, Lekbys, Brown Swiss. Um, we had a couple of Jerseys here when we first started milking cows up here, and. So yeah, we've kind of had a lot of um, various things, but at the moment it's mainly Holsteins, Frisians, Montbelliards, uh, Norwegian Reds, and Frisians, Holsteins, Montbelliards, Norwegians. Yeah, that's it. I yeah. think. Yeah, so. I, I see quite a lot of of merit in that. I mean, I'm I'm not a dairy guy at all. Um, not not that I'm against dairy. It's just not what I did. You know, it's not the farm from, but. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I I just not a massive fan of this sticking down one breed entirely. Now mm. we know why you're aiming for Holstein's yields are through the roof. We know why you're aiming mm-hmm. for um uh, for Jersey constituents through the roof. Good, but I like that cross idea. I don't know. It, just in my head, it makes a bit more sense, especially something like your Montbellards coming in there. You know, a dual purpose animal. Your um. Your male animals yeah. have got a bit of a market, <laughs> you know. Uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we sell a lot of beef. Like we sell all like we 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 sell a lot of calves, like beef calves. Um, and so like having that wee bit of kind of bit more strength than the actual cow itself, uh, really seems to help the selling. You know, selling calves. You know, we've had a few people, you know, come and buy calves off us, and every so often we'll go to the market as well and sell them. Um. And um, yeah, like it's nice having that all rounder. You yeah. know, if the milk price was terrible tomorrow, I mean, it's never, it's never as good as you want it to be, is it? But <laughs> um, you know, worst company worst. If the milk price was terrible tomorrow, you know, worst company worst. If you had to cast every cow, you'd get a wee bit more. You'd get that sure. wee bit more extra compared to a Holstein cow. Um, however, you could argue that when the milk price is really good, the Holstein cow is is more profitable then so I dare say you're just kind of hedging your bets a wee bit and um, you're not having the same replacement rate either so and uh, you're maybe not having to push as much feed at them either to keep them going so uh, it's just a bit just a bit maybe not quite as full on a bit more laid back and um, maybe maybe well it's easier to manage you're, you are working with three or four different breeds at the same time but um, which does bring it challenges it definitely does but um, that wee bit hybrid vigour as well it's a wee kind of it's almost like a free boost in a way. So. You mentioned milk price. Is milk price in a we're not going to say perfect spot because it's never going to be there, but is it in a good spot at the minute or um it's definitely on a downward trend. Uh you know, it was definitely kind of you know, you know, the back end of well actually we just had a meeting today with um, a feed company that we work with that kind of monitor our costings as well. And this time last year the milk price is down by nine pence. Is it? Right. Mm. So that was August last year compared to August this year. The milk price is down by nine pence. Um, 
to be fair, the milk buyer that takes our milk has done okay and is still probably one of the highest paying um, milk buyers at, at, at the moment. Um, so, to, you know, to be fair to them, they are doing their best to hold the price up for us. Um, but, aye, so, I mean, don't get me wrong, it could always be better, but certainly at the moment it could be worse as well. So, Yeah, I think I just... <laughs> I just I feel like with dairy and tatties always seems to come under this as well. Mm. There could be a way that it's just it's so volatile and it, it plays with it's got to play with like yourself like farmers. I don't want to throw mental health as the term in there because I feel like everyone says that, but it's got to play with that. You've got to base everything on that price. Like mm-hmm. your mind's mm-hmm. thinking about it the whole time. Um, just some kind of stability for what is, you know, one of our staples. You know, what are you going to, what are you going to shop for? I know. Eggs, it's that age old question, isn't it? Like, how, you know, I mean, like, how can the milk price fluctuate so much when most people will go into their shop once or twice a week and they will lift a pint of milk, whether it's a pound a litre or ten pound a litre, you know what I mean? Or well, maybe at ten pounds is such question. <laughs> that would be nice. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, it's like, it's like everything in the UK kind of food supply, you know, people are buying it. And I think a lot of people would be surprised to see how little the farmer gets at the end of the day um, and how much. It's just that lack of transparency, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and it's in Britain from potatoes to beef, lamb, milk, you know, it's, it's just that lack of transparency. And no wonder you see how many folk are trying to kind of bridge the gap between themselves and the customer by going down, you know, your milk vending machines, your farm shops, etc, etc. So, I mean, it it, it doesn't surprise me in the slightest, but more folk are trying to do that nowadays um, because it's getting, there's so much kind of getting lost in the middle. I would just like to quickly interrupt the show for a minute to give you some extra information about our primary sponsors, Howden Rural, the new name for A-Plan Rural. Howden Rural provide bespoke insurance cover for farms and estates. This could be for anything from tractors and machinery to a new exciting diversification venture. Be sure to check out Howden Rural today. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I I never know if it's supermarkets have a lot to answer for or we've in general given too much power to consumer. I I don't know. Like it feels, it feels wrong to say consumer shouldn't have power because that feels wrong. I mean, that takes you back Mm. to a time where the consumer aye, but doesn't get what they the want at is, all, but there's got to be a middle ground. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. But I mean, at the end of the day, the power is all in the consumer because I mean, every every choice they make reflects, you know, what they what they want and what they don't want. So, and to be fair, like, I think it's just I think the the main issue is that the disconnect between people that live in like the rural compared to the majority of people that live in cities now. It's just a lack of knowledge, isn't it? Which, obviously, your channel is really good at helping. And, you know, like Jeremy Clarkson's farm as well. You know, it's really good at kind of trying to bridge that gap in the knowledge. So, you know, hopefully a lot more people that are seeing these things will kind of think twice about what they're buying in the shop, maybe buying more locally, going to a butcher or a farm shop instead of buying at the supermarket all the time. But, and I mean, I'm not blaming anyone. I mean, the supermarket yeah. is so convenient. You know, you can go in there, get get your weekly shop done, and then even buy everything from towels to ink cartridges. I mean, it's just so convenient, isn't it? 
Yeah, I mean, look at Aldi. I quite often come back with a bloody chainsaw and a paddling pool. Like, it's quite something, but the, <laughs> it's, it's such a weird old place. But, the, I mean, it, just supermarkets in general. I mean, we were talking, I was talking with students today. I, I do a thing I've started at the start of every week. I don't know if you watch Mock the Week, but they do the, this is like a newspaper article from this week. And I'm just trying to do that in farming. Um, oh, yeah. Keeping up topical issues and what's going on. Just a wee 20-minute chat at the start of sessions. But, um. One of them was 49% of fruit and veg farmers from the UK believe they won't be in business 365 days from now. And like, that's mm. insane. That's half of our <laughs> veg fruit and veg producers, which is kind of scary. And we're looking at vegetarianism and veganism and stuff. It's rising, whether you like it or not. And I think there's a good way to be vegetarian and that's supporting what mm. we have here. But if they're disappearing, that's going to fly up and avocados are going to be more expensive. Yeah, yeah it's, it's um, a typical farmer, though, isn't it? Just going into the face of the winter and just being like, Oh no, I don't know if I can do this like anymore. You know, the days are getting shorter. Oh no. But, You're probably uh, right. There is probably part of that as well. Um but speaking speaking of going into the winter, you've got quite an interesting job most winters. Um uh, tell us a bit about that. I love following the Snapchats of this, I must say. <laughs> <laughs> so I so the last two Novembers, uh, I've done a Christmas I've helped a local farmer with a Christmas pre harvest. Um, I really hope that's what you were hinting at. Yes, 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not your Santa job, don't worry. It's uh... <laughs> yeah, that's my December job. Um, <laughs> but no, <clears throat> so no, I've, I've helped a local guy uh, with Christmas trees the last couple of Novembers. And uh, yeah, it's a bit different. Um, I do, I probably should have maybe mentioned at the start of this that, you know, I do like to kind of leave the farm every so often and go and like cart silage and drive a tractor for people and just, you know, help contractors whenever they're needing a hand just for a wee bit of beer money. <clears throat> but, um, and, and the Christmas tree job's exactly the same. It's just that a, diff- it's just that a kind of more quiet, different kind of time of year. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's different and um, it definitely helps the bank balance in the face of Christmas. Um, you know, it's a pretty full on job, you know, you're, you're talking on average of you know 11 12 hour days um in november which isn't always the easiest because you know the days are getting quite short and the weather can play against you as well you know just with, you know if it's if you get a lot of rain this is no drying at that time of year so yeah. um it can be a difficult job but um yeah no i go and drive a tractor for them for for usually about five weeks give or take depending on how harvest is going so yeah, it's a bit different, and um, it's amazing how much you learn. Actually, I mean, I before I went there, I had no idea there was different types of Christmas tree. Um, you know, you've got you've got three kind of main types of tree, um, and just chatting away to the people there, you know, you learn so much about what all goes into it. I mean, you would never think it, but like, make growing Christmas trees is. You know, is like any other type of farming. It is all year round, whether you're flat out harvesting them or not. You know, the amount of time and effort that comes into them is unreal. Um, and that's how, because everyone always says, oh, you buy a fake tree, it lasts 10 years and it's cheaper than buying a real tree. Um, but when you see the amount of effort that goes into them, um, you can see why the price is the price. I love a real tree, though. Love it. Absolutely love mm-hmm. it. Um, it's a bit of a nightmare with cats around, I must say, but I absolutely love a Christmas tree. What's, <laughs> what is the harvest process, though, John? Is it is it chainsaws? How's that working? What? So the majority of them will be uh, somebody will 
drive a wee what they would call a cutting machine. So basically, it's like a a wee machine that's on two wheels and it's got like a wee petrol engine and it's basically got like a big claw on it. Okay. And basically, it just goes up to the tree. They press it, pull a wee lever, and the claw shuts and then opens again. And it basically just snips the bottom of the tree, and then the tree just falls over. Um. So they'll so there'll be a entire crew of people well, with a few of these machines and to be fair like some of them are cut by chainsaws as well um, but these people are going around with these kind of machines and they'll be told right go and cut orange and white labels Fraser first go and cut orange and white Fraser's that's what they'll be told to go and do and go to, and go to a certain block and do that so they'll go to this block and they will cut all the orange and white Fraser's which um, is a type of tree that's Yes, yeah, so it's not just some um, guy with no feet anymore. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I would hate to be called Fraser. But that's, yeah. that's, that's for sure. But anyway, sorry, Fraser Furs. So is what they actually are, and uh, they'll go and cut all these trees, and then they'll just be cut, and they'll be left for a minimum of three days. If you pack it, if you pack these trees, then they're too fresh. They'll uh, they'll heat, like uh-huh. you know, like like hay wood if it wasn't quite right. Um, so. And so these Christmas trees, they're cut and then they're left for a few days. They're then dragged through narrow kind of paths in between the blocks of Christmas trees and that's where the tractors can drive along. And basically, trees will be there. The Somebody will lift the tree and they'll bring up to the what we would call the harvester, which is mounted on the front and the back of the tractor at the same time. Right. So it's on the so it's connected via the front links and the rear linkage as well. And basically it's got a a jaw that comes through what we would call a spool. So it's like a plastic circle with all the tree netting on it. And basically we will guide the, the, the bottom of the tree up to this jaw. The jaw will grab a hold of the tree and it'll pull it through the, the net. And it nets the tree and it goes up a conveyor which goes up by the cab of the tractor. And two people at the back of the tractor will then pack that tree into a pallet. And so we'll get, depending on the size of the tree, you'll get anywhere between 100 to 30, 40 trees into a pallet, depending on the size of them. Um, And then once that pallet is filled, I will radio someone to come and collect that pallet and bring me an empty pallet. So they so basically and as the pallet fills, the the box at the back of the harvester slowly rises. So as they, they you know they pack the trees and it just rises all the time. And then it'll literally lift right so high that um the, basically a pallet hawkshole could come in and lift the pallet right off the machine. Oh right, okay, got you. Yeah. And uh and Every pallet has two numbers. There's a base number and an upright number. And it's all recorded through an app on your phone. So so every pallet gets recorded with the type of tree, how many trees there's in the pallet. So my exact job really is to drive a tractor because about Christmas trees. But they don't know how to drive a tractor. Okay. So basically they get muggins here. That drives tractors for a living, and he and I'll go in drive the tractor. I'll help the chap at the front load, and I have to do all the record keeping. 
So to all my friends that are listening to this, yes, I can read and write. I know it's a major shock to you, <laughs> but um, so everything's recorded via an app and on. And yeah, so basically, there's the last couple of years. So there's three of these outfits. So you've got three tractors with harvesters, all filled with people. You'll have you could have ten or a dozen other people cutting trees, dragging trees about. So it's again, I go back to that point, and I apologise for being quite repetitive, but the amount of work that goes into harvesting Christmas trees, it's you know, there's there could be fifteen to twenty people. They are all harvesting Christmas trees, and it's, so it, yeah. it's a fair little job. Yeah, for sure. And one of the things about Christmas trees, like, you know, there's a few products out there that have a big date, you know, strawberries are big at Wimbledon, but folks still eat them in July and turkeys get the race for Christmas. But again, folks still eat them a lot of the rest of the year. But if you miss the Christmas tree date for Christmas, there's not many folk out there like, Christ, I can't wait to get my Burns Night tree up. You know, like it's 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 got a date and you can't miss that. And I've always been quite aware of that. Um, but uh, no, it's quite a... Quite an interesting one, and not. I don't think we've spoke about Christmas trees on the podcast before, so pretty good for a uh, hundred and forty episodes. It's a bit of a, a new one there. Mm. Um, I mean, it is that time of year. People are thinking about Christmas again. Maybe I don't know. Yeah, maybe I'm just being optimistic. I don't know. But I bloody love Christmas. Great fun. <laughs> it's just I don't know that. It is good fun, isn't it? And just and then just so you know, um, apparently. A real Christmas tree is far better for the environment than a than a fake one. So, because I, again, I didn't know this until I started working there, but uh, like there's a lot of oil that goes into the plastic to make uh, a fake Christmas tree. So, you know, so for any of your fans that are very conscious about the environment, there you go. And also, every time you take a tree, what six and a half foot, there'll be. I would guess it would be about three quarters of a foot in width at the bottom and about probably a quarter halfway up. So you're probably looking at about four, maybe, nah, maybe about six or seven kilos of lignin, which will just be carbon. It dies there. You burn it. Yeah, if you're burning it, you're probably not helping the thing. But yeah, you're locking up a lot of carbon as well. Mm. And everything gets like... uh, and you know, like the fields, they are you know they get regrown. You know, the, once the fields emptied, they just regrow more trees. So uh, it takes about seven or eight years for it to grow. So it's um, yeah, like it's, it's a, I would say it's a pretty good way of of doing it compared to the alternative where you've got oil being dug up in factories and all sorts. It's found to be a bit more. I mean, it has a nice smell. To be, like you were saying, you know, like you like a real Christmas tree. Um, you know, is you know when the weather's good, it's nice and dry. Obviously, Christmas trees is great. Uh, when it's pelting with rain and the wind's blowing <laughs> seven mile an hour, it's hard to even see what you're doing. Never mind speak to all everyone else that's working with you. So it's um, I remember <laughs> so no for sure. Yeah, it's quite funny. There's always the eternal battle in my mom and dad's house where mum and if I'm there. I will put up the Christmas tree and the decorations and Dad's job's taking it down. And uh, I would be lying to say I've never been back at Lamb in time and the Christmas tree's still there. It's <laughs> 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 happened a couple of times. Uh, and it's like you touch it and it's just needles just drop. But um, yeah. trees, no, trees, to be yeah. fair, we're, it's a similar story in this house where 
my sister, for example, she loves Christmas. Like, as of 1st of December, she will have a tree, it'll be up, it'll be decorated in no time at all. I'm, I'm pretty sure we've put a tree up on Christmas Eve before. That's how Christmassy and festive we feel in this house. The last thing, after a month of harvesting Christmas trees, the last thing I want to see in my living room is a Christmas tree. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I assume it's horrible weather. I do not want this anymore. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, uh, but to be fair, it probably stays up as long. Um, you know, one of the perks of working at the Christmas tree farm is you get a Christmas tree. Oh, well. You know, so, you know, you can probably get one quite fresh and, and uh, it'll probably last a good month if you keep watering it, so... I don't think I've all, ever watered a Christmas tree. Do you know that? Ever. Just let them die. Oh, well, there's another wee tip, Chris. This is, this is a very uh, informative podcast we want. <laughs> yeah, there'll be people listening excited for December. Um, and going going down, that's still on the sort of the the plant side, I guess, uh, your mum's got um, a bit of flowers on the go as well. Is that right? <clears throat> yep. Uh, so my mum's always done, you know, been into floral art for as long as I can remember. You know, she was always involved in the in the shed at Dumfries Show for like floral 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 arranging and all that good stuff. And even one year, she actually encouraged me to do floral art at Dumfries Show. Not to brag, but you know, I got first place in the floating flower competition of <laughs> whatever year it was. Uh, <laughs> Um, but so, but anyway, no. But in all seriousness, yeah, she's she's always been into uh, floral art, and yeah, she went. She actually went to college. Oh, would it be three or four years ago? Maybe four or five years ago. She actually started going to college in Glasgow, so she would actually have like a qualification in right. floral art. Um, and yeah, since then she's started up uh, farmhouse flowers. You know, so. If you're ever needing any, if anyone's ever needing some flowers, hit them up. Um, mm-hmm. So between her and my sister, they they kind of run this kind of farmhouse flowers thing. So majority of the time, it's weddings that they do. Um, but there's the odd kind of different event. A lot of people have even just messaged them and just asked mum to make up some flowers as a gift right, for okay. Mother's Day, a birthday. Um, so yeah, but. Like I say, the majority of the work that they do is 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 weddings, and um, I like for a, and it is crazy work. Like you know, for a while there, did they do four or five weddings in the course of like four or five weeks? Like yeah. every weekend, it was a wedding, and they were doing so many flowers for it, this, that, and whatever. And so, yeah, it's a bit different. And um, but from what I hear, I mean, I'm no expert when it comes to flowers, obviously, but. Uh, you know the feedback's been good, and like you can see it. You know they're getting more and more work all the time. Yeah. You know they go to a, you know a lot of people go to a wedding to see that see that to see the flowers, and then it just seems to lead to more work for them. So it's 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 really good to see it, and like I'm pretty proud of them for from for starting off something as small as it was. Well, it was non-existent before, yeah. and now they're doing you know a few weddings in a year. So it's really impressive to see. Brilliant. And uh, for <clears throat> for those listening, if you are interested in flowers, I don't have many podcasts I can direct you to, but I'm really delving into the depths of my brain here. I believe number 77, I think R2Cast 77, is with Ben... 
Cross, that's his surname, uh, who is the largest producer of British Alstroemeria left in the country. So go check that out if you're interested in flowers. Um, you mentioned John Farmers at the start, John. Played a, mm-hmm. a pretty, pretty big part in your life. Um, could you tell us a bit about... I guess, I guess <laughs> people that listen to me probably have quite a distorted view of Young Farmers because in 15 months I've went from not being a member to being, if nothing goes wrong and everything goes right, probably the chair of a national committee in next year and not really had any involvement at club, district and regional level. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas you've done you've you've done a lot at club and you've done a lot at district, could you tell us about what what young farmers has offered for you? And you also mentioned that you you didn't start sort of like at fourteen either. You you waited a bit until you were out of school. Um, could you tell us a bit about what young farmers has done for you in that sense? <clears throat> God, that's a big one, isn't it? Um, I dare say. I mean, you, you see you see a lot of people say the same kind of thing. But to be fair, it does give you like a hell of a confidence. Um, you know, you know, a lot of people won't know this, but like I um or certainly when I was a lot younger, I was extremely shy, very quiet until I'm kind of more comfortable in the surroundings and I know the people. But when I first started going to young farmers, you obviously you're way out of your depth, so you don't know many people. Um and yeah, I was very quiet, very really quiet, very reserved. Um but look at me now, you know, I've chaired meetings. Uh, you know, what the year I was chair, it was the 75th anniversary year. So, you know, never mind the pressure of doing it normally, but like speaking to like hundreds of people from generations of like, you know, young teenagers to, you know, far more like senior members of the club that, you know, have been a part of it for probably almost like all the 75 years that, you know, it's been going <laughs> on for. Um, you know, that takes a lot of pressure. You know, that's, you know, that's a bit of pressure in, in that. Um, but it just goes, but it just goes to show what 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 it can do from being so quiet, so reserved, barely want to speak to anyone one to one. I was able to speak in front of hundreds of people, and so it really does give you a good confidence boost, and it really does kind of equip you for kind of later in life as well. That and it, you know, it's really good for your social side of things as well. And you know, like well, when I was at school, I had a lot of friends but they weren't really into farming that much you know we were all just kind of playing xbox and gany like partying and that kind of stuff yeah whereas that you know whereas soon as but obviously as soon as you leave school they're all the way at university and majority of them have stayed in the cities that they went to union whereas i have not ventured very far at all um but to it again it gives you that kind of social part of your life which is so important because I mean as everyone will know like going through the COVID lockdown how like important it is to have a like, good like social connection with people and um, you know it really is so important for like your mental health as well so um, yeah it really does just kind of set you up quite nicely for life as a whole really. And you, you've been Lower Nith and to Freeson Galloway chair is that right? Yeah. you've Yeah that's well, right. I joined COVID I was D chair, yeah. What that's probably a distorted answer anyway, because it was during COVID, but what differences did each of them bring compared to each other? Are they quite similar? Uh no. Uh and again, like you say, it's a distorted answer because 
when I was young farmers, you know, I was I was young farmers chair, and it was just a normal year. At the end of the year, COVID was. It was a story on the news, but it wasn't in the UK. It wasn't <laughs> affecting anyone. And then, yeah, literally, like D and G A G M, where I actually became chair, it was done through Zoom. So was that was that April? So that would be kind of April time, yeah. Yeah, so it just kicked off and just went. It, you know, let's let's forget young farmers for a second. It's, it was such a surreal time. Like mm. I, I think I speak about it in the podcast with folk quite often and sort of their impact of COVID and how how they felt like COVID was. But I, I always remember. I feel like I'm going to sneeze. I always remember when Boris came on and they said, you know, lockdown, and I, I was staying at my partner at the time's house, and we all sort of looked at each other and was like. Oh my god, we've got two weeks holiday. And then like London was closed and like there was no one in London. Like that is surreal. It was so strange. And I think it's it's probably a bit of a shame for you, in fairness, that your your time as DNG chair was was that. I mean, I'm guessing there was no Dumfries show. I wasn't in Dumfries at that. No point. Dumfries show. Um to be fair, the way the way the rules went. We were actually like the only like area within Young Farmers that was allowed to do certain things, um. So we were what and like it still gets still gets talked about to this day, and you know, hats off to my the, my team that you know, you know, we 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 made up the Ice Olympic Games, right. and it was just a series of games, and we recorded all the scores, and basically. Like we went to uh, the five star awards, and the national chair at the time was just actually meant actually dropped the word Ice Olympic Games, and I, my jaw like hit the floor because I was like that was us, you know, like we were the only district that we could actually do anything, because uh, all the other areas were completely shut down. We were given a little bit of wiggle room because the COVID rates or whatever were a bit lower, and uh, yeah, they talked to the word Ice Olympic Games was actually dropped in a, like a national speech, and I, we were just like, wow, that was us kind of thing. Yeah. So you know, like we did what we could, uh, looking back. But yeah, like like I say, it wasn't. You know, I feel like I shouldn't even be recorded as a DNG chair because I really didn't do much compared to what you know they're doing before and after yeah. the COVID lockdown. So. Yeah, but I, I disagree with your not being recorded part because <clears throat> obviously it was different. I, I think you know, in every in every industry, in every sector, and every whatever, it was different. But you kept folk around. Now, I I assume I don't know. I'm guessing numbers dropped. <laughs> Young farmer member after that year. That's not because of your team or you. That's because of just the the, the insanely weird time that was had. But it's still cool to have been a district chair, though. I think that's really cool. Uh, yeah, no, it was really. Don't get me wrong; it was still a good experience, and yeah. like you say, you know, you know, we like I said, we did what we could do with with the <clears> rules <throat> that we were given from you know, you know, from from up top. So, um, but yeah, it is such a strange. You know, like you say, looking back on it, it's such a strange thing because starting that first lockdown, which was in the summer, like it just didn't affect me in the slightest. Um, you know. The weather was, you know, the weather was still good in the summertime, and you were busy working, and contractors still had to come in and do silage, and it really didn't even phase me that much. Like I know that's probably a bit disrespectful to say, to you know, to, to some people, but 
Second of the second one in the winter time, that was brutally hard. That was really hard because the days are short. You can't even go and go, go a walk with your pals because it's dark and it's wet and it's miserable all the time. So certainly that, that second lockdown, it was really hard on, well, on my mental health. I don't know about everyone else's, but did that, that start, did that start on Boxing Day? Because I, I seem to remember we had March 23rd or whatever it was, then we had September, and then basically they sort of toyed with the idea of lockdown and Christmas, and like the, the country just was like, that's not happening. So they started yeah. on Boxing Day. Is that right? I think it was just after Christmas. That sounds a bit right, doesn't it? Yeah. It must have been, there must have been some rules kind of I think leading up to Christmas, because basically last time going to the, I, that's when I started going up to the that's when I started going to the gym, right. um, but you could actually go to the gym when I first started, so it must have been relaxed, and then it did, it definitely come in again like tighter rules again. So I actually started working out from home over Zoom, because um, the gym that I was going to was class based, so it all became Zoom classes uh, just because the rules. Did not allow people yeah. to go to the gym itself, even though you're in like separate wee areas and you were kept away from people. Um, but yeah, no. So it just goes to show um, how hard that second lockdown was. It was yeah, it was rough. It was a weird old time. I, and like you say, like it's disrespectful to say the summer was good. I, I kind of disagree. I mean, like when when I filmed with what episodes this one forty so one thirty eight with Izzy Rainey. We spoke about this, and here, it was one of the best four months of my life. Like, I was on furlough, I was getting paid to work on the farm because I was on furlough, which is the first time that's ever happened. Um, Mum and Dad, don't worry, I'm not judging <laughs> you for it. Uh, and it was just nice, like, the weather was out of this world, there was egg sugar shot challenges, R2K started, like, mm. it was it was a fun time. And, and maybe Every was- year when I see the video of that egg sugar shot challenge, I dread it because the amount of hair I have is unreal. I just look an absolute mess. You know, I've got like this half receded hairline, but big curly hair that's sticking out by my foot. And uh, and a big beard as well that I just haven't bothered to shave. So I've never seen anyone in weeks or months or whatever. An absolute mess, like, but. I'll, um, I don't know if you've seen mine. Um, it's actually Jess and I, and like she firms most of it. She does pretty well. But the the egg, I just like gargle back up. I'm like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> right? oh no, <laughs> it's gnarly. It's not good. And then, like, because of COVID, like we weren't really drinkers anyway. We hadn't drank since Hogmanay, neither of us. And mm-hmm. you can't get it now for obvious reasons. But my favorite vodka, even over like Grey Goose and that, has always been Russian Standard. Love it. If you like put Russian Standard in the freezer, it's really thick. And uh, I poured like notable tumblers of vodka. Like notable, it must have been like seventy five mil, right? <laughs> we sort of went for it. Oh my god, the video is so funny. For about, and I don't think I'm exaggerating here. For about a year, when I jumped off the tractor safely, obviously three points of contact backwards. Uh, of, of, of course, I don't know if there's any other way. Anyway, I don't know why I explained it. Um, <laughs> I, I can smell vodka. That's not an exaggeration at all. It was insane. Um, but it's a funny video. I actually kind of want to see yours now. But um, just continue. Next time I see it, I'll send. I'll tag you in it or something. <laughs> please do. Please do. I'll tag you in mine. It's just a bit rubbish with who's in it. I need to try and like crop it out. Anyway, uh, sorry, sorry, Jess, if you're listening. Uh, the 
<laughs> I think she is. Um, the on the young farmers thing. Um, there's one other thing that I thought I'd ask you about. You had a pretty good run with young farmers this summer. Um, heading out to Croatia. Uh, can you tell us about mm-hmm. that trip? That looked good fun. Yeah, no, it was it was it was class. Um, it was really good to see a part of the world that I had never even seen before, never even been close to before. I haven't actually ventured very far. Um, like you know, the only traveling I've really done is New Zealand. So I don't, you know, so like consider I'd never been on a flight before. You know, I've just thought, oh well, I'll just go in the longest one I possibly can do. Um, but obviously, Croatia was a nicer flight. It was just a couple of hours. Uh, so they lost our bags um, in Amsterdam. That was that was quite a stressful time for a few of us because we got we ended up in Croatia, but our bags hadn't made it to Croatia. Were yours? And, uh, eh? Did yours make it to Croatia yourself? So initially, so, so we first landed there on whatever night it was. Our bags, nobody's bags, appeared till the following morning. They <laughs> came on a separate flight um, because I was asked to sum up the trip in like a, in one phrase and I was like our trip to Croatia was first class it's just a shame our bags weren't um, <laughs> so I was picked off with that one I can take full credit for that one um, but no the trip was good weather was class um, it was really good how it was a complete I only knew well granted like, it was a trip of 16 of us in total um, but I only knew like three other people and so it was really good to actually meet people that I'd never met before and actually, you know, like spend a week with them. So, you know, that was class. The people made that trip like it was just a really good group of people. And, and the company that it was through was really good as well. Like they gave you the choices of what you know, it wasn't strict. Was it not? <laughs> yeah, oh, so you, sort of, and things like you could choose as you go. Is that? Yeah. To, 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 to a degree, like yeah. the travel, the travel and accommodation was pre So, Granted, you could only spend how many nights was booked in a certain place, um, but no, it was really good. The only thing is, I feel bad for young farmers because we've all kind of tried to write reports and tell people how good it was and how you no, know, oh, but I mean, but it's not educational at all. There wasn't any farms or any agricultural kind of chat at all, apart for the boys, obviously. Um, but you gotta get the couch uh, out. Or oh, there was definitely a bit of chat about tratters and coos and beasts and all that. Um, over a few beers and a cigarette or two. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but no, really good trip. But like I say, it's hard to paint it in a good light for young farmers. I don't know what you mean. Yeah, but, yeah. Like all I could say is, oh yeah, I learned loads about. Croatian nights out and Croatian beer and where to go and where not to go and here's a fun here's a really nice picture of like a cathedral and so no it was a really class trip um but it wasn't young farmery at all to For be sure. fair I hope you've kicked your feet up and got comfy and enjoying another fantastic episode of the R2 Cast with another really interesting guest I would just like to quickly take another second to plug. The sponsors of the show today, The Scottish Farmer, and I would strongly advise you to go out and pick one up this week and see even more of the fantastic people that are in our industry. But see, I think that's important. I think Young Farmers is, you know, they're agri 
uh, agri affairs trip to Canada, like mental, amazing from that perspective. Yeah, like really good. Like, obviously, we had we had Lauren out there, um, and Lauren mm. and a uh, trip to India. I think a, a bit of a mix of the two, from what I understand, a bit more farming than Croatia, but nowhere near same as Agri, sort of a bit more. But it's still, yeah. I think, I think bringing culture back to our organisation is good. <clears throat> you know, teaching that um, and instilling what what happens out there and and why it's good and why it's bad and 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 learning that. I think that's very important. I, I do know what you mean though. It's kind of hard to what we did tonight mm-hmm. was try a new cocktail. You know, like it's a uh, yeah. But, Croatia has been a place that for some time has fascinated me and not in the normal sense. You know, a lot of people want to do Yeah, a massive Game of Thrones fan. Is that why you're Never seen it, it, mate. Never seen it, actually. Um, oh, really? No, I haven't. Uh, Croatia, th- there's obviously the, the interest in the old town of Dubrovnik. It's number one. Everyone wants to see it. It seems pretty much polluted with people at this point. But rural Croatia, waterfalls, all that sort of stuff just looks gorgeous, I think. Um, I've never been. Uh, so I would I kind of I probably should have went for it the reason I didn't was I was doing that walk and it sort of didn't happen <laughs> so obviously I chose getting hit by a car over a nice holiday but uh, yeah it, it did look brilliant the one thing I wanted to ask you John was uh, you mentioned you started going to the gym you mentioned that earlier uh, that's mm-hmm. been a process that first off I didn't know you at that stage but having seen photos you have done an insane job what what I, oh, thank you very much no, I 100% mean it, and I'm sure everyone that knows you would agree with what I'm saying. Um, what what made you do that? I guess I've never really felt that comfortable in myself, really. Um, I get it. I'm with you for what it's worth. I get it, yeah. No, it's just, like, the pressure listeners were in like that, but... Nah, like I just like I've always been a bigger chap, and you know I've always been well, well, I would never say that I was obese or anything like that. But you know I was always like a wee bit heavier, and for as long as I've known, you know when I was at school I would be a thirty-eight inch waist, uh, range probably in that region of kind of sixteen, seventeen stone. When I went away in New Zealand, I came back and I was eighteen and a half stone. Um, just from traveling and eating terrible foods and <laughs> sitting in the boot driving a tractor most of the time. Um, and then like, and then to be fair, I lost, I would lose, I would lose half a stone, a stone quite quickly just by coming back to the family farm and doing a bit more physical labor um, and playing a bit of sport here and there. But I guess when the, I think the main driver for going to start going to the gym and getting big into it was the fact that like it was during COVID lockdown, you couldn't really do anything. Mm-hmm. Young farmers, you know, had its restrictions as well, so you couldn't, you know, do much on that side of things either. So I just thought, and then so I get so probably between the two, just the, you know, I'm gonna try and actually start hitting the gym and see if I can lose a bit of weight, feel a bit better than myself, that kind of thing. Um, and it was just something to do, I dare say. And then I just got really into it. And, you know, um, there's a local gym in Dumfries called Synergy. I feel like I'm I feel like I'm kind of recommending a lot of things here. To, oh, it? <laughs> um, if you need your flowers, farmhouse flowers. If you need to go to the gym, <laughs> help Synergy. Because um, the two go hand, hand in hand so well. Always. Um, <laughs> 
Uh, so no, it's just something I got into, and then I learned more about it, and then you, I was watching YouTube videos on what you should be doing and the kind of food you should be eating and getting your protein intake, and you know I can always remember like I feel like a bit of a hypocrite because a lot of my pals were like, oh yeah, protein, John, protein. You know they're always kind of went you know on the wind up about that, but I always remember that Kevin Bridges joke uh, about. You know, going to the gym, wanting to feel a bit better, but you're you're slightly intimidated by these uh, big protein bastards. <laughs> Kevin Bridges would call them. You know, asking yourself, did I make you in a PlayStation game? You know, these big muscly guys covered in tattoos, just kind of waiting for the proof to <laughs> waiting for the proof that you know their message is cheating on them and they need to fight somebody about it. You know, sure, I mean? yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so. I do feel like at times I'm, I, I I wonder if I've been a bit endless about talking about food and stuff like that. But I guess at the time I was just it was just something new to me and just trying to get you know into it and and that's the thing. Like it was quite strange because I could see the weight going down on the scales and um, for a while when I was doing so really well with the weight loss thing, um, I was treating myself to a Chinese every time I lost a stone. Okay. So that was a good that was a good incentive, um, but and, and yeah, it was really good. I had to go and buy a new suit because my old suit was far too big for me. So I bought a new suit, and and it was nice because I would go again because of the lockdown. I hadn't seen a lot of people for a long time, so I would you know things would open up again, and I would go out, and people wouldn't recognize me. People wouldn't would always be like, "Oh my god, wow, you look so different. You look so good." Um, so it was really nice, like, you know, folk were really nice about it. Um, and yeah, again, like your words a minute ago, you know, you were absolutely you know, really nice about it. So, um, it's just a shame I've kind of went a few steps back the way, back the way again, but, um, it is, it is on the agenda to try and get back at the swing of things and, and lose the weight again. So, um, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's just kind of something to get into while, you couldn't really do anything else for the COVID, really. So. No, fair play to you, man. And, and <laughs> here, as someone that's your absolute peak weight is probably what I managed to get down to. I was 22 and something stone, like, so, um, yeah, I was... Well, you've done bloody well as well, to be fair. I think we've sort of done similar. I'm probably at the same stage you are. I mean, especially since July. I, I went, I did a 10K last night, and, um, I mean, a 10K I would do without realising before. I was knackered mm. last night, like just with this calf, man. Like it's just not fully sorted. But it's mm. it's fun. Like I mean, I think you're in the same position, John. Where uh, from listening to that, you've probably been someone that, like myself, you've always been a bit bigger, and you're like, oh, I'll get any exercise, I'll do that, I'll do this, and you've never actually been able to get into it. But now you've found that way that you have, and I'm so mm. glad that I've been away from it for however long, you know, however many weeks, best part of ten. And I've got that drive still. I'm glad that's there. And it sounds like you have that. I'm sort of in an upward spiral weight-wise at the minute, but I, I'm pretty sure it's going to come back. It's, it's just, I, unfortunately, sometimes just life gets in the way. Yeah. And you, you kind of, and it's it's frustrating because obviously the, whatever kind of metabolism or body that I have or whatever, you know, you, you know, you think of food and you'll put weight on. You know what I mean? But I mean, <laughs> yeah. but, on the other hand, you've got folks there that, you know, they can eat and eat and eat and not put any weight on whatsoever. And to be fair, a lot of those people aren't happy in their body either. Yeah. So 
I think everyone always wants what they don't have, isn't it? So it's just a case of, you know, you should never compare yourself to others. I sound like an absolute influencer, don't I? <laughs> I mean, but it is so true. You know, you should never, like, compare yourself to other people because they haven't got the same genetics you've got. They've not got the same life circumstances that you've got. You just need to compare yourself to who you were yesterday and work as hard as you can. And it's amazing what you can do. Man, I love that. That's class. Um, Tira, you say you sound like an influencer. It sounds like you genuinely are. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm going to start my YouTube channel. That's it, that's it, for sure. Um, John's thoughts. Uh, dear John, it's been good fun, man. It's, I, I always think it's great fun bringing folk I know on. Um, because you still learn something. You still sort of find something out that you didn't know, and it's, it's always quite good crack. Uh, I just but, hope I haven't rambled on too much and bored half the listeners. Yeah, well, here, if I'm one of the listeners, I've fair enjoyed it, but um, you'll be, you, some people, I always quite like telling people this, we're pretty much sitting at an hour, it does sort of fly by, um, but there's there's two questions I ask everyone at the end of it, and I know you've listened to a couple of episodes, so you might remember them or you might not, but uh, the two questions are, one, where do you see yourself in five years, and two, if you had tips for folk coming into farming, what would they be? Oh, the big questions now. Um... <laughs> In five years' time, I'm. Eh. Uh, it's a horrible question. Horrible. I dare I... say it'll probably be along the lines of I'll either be farmer or I won't be, depending on what happens with the tenancy and the family and that kind of stuff. Right. Um, so I dare say it'll be quite good because I'll know what's going on. A bit more, hopefully. Okay. Um, so I think either either that or I've made it huge and I've started up that YouTube channel about being sure. an influencer and doing the gym and stuff like that. Um, get into farming. Mm, it's a tricky one. See, I was kind of born into it, so it's just all I know. Um but I've seen people that aren't in the industry get themselves into it. Um, I dare say just work as hard as you possibly can. If you're so passionate about it, just keep going and don't let yourself be hindered by the circumstances. I mean, it's notoriously hard to get into. I mean, land prices are at a record high. I mean, buying a farm, unless you win the lottery, is impossible. Um, just keep Just keep pushing, keep shoving. And then even if you're not actually farming, you don't own a farm, you know, there's so you know, the industry is so big, you know, you could be a rep for a company that's selling plastic to to you know, genetics, to crops, to cattle, to sheep, you know, the, the industry is so big, it has so many doors. Just if you're passionate about one of those things in particular, just keep going until you get there, kind of thing. I think it's so true, man. It's so true. I mean, like <clears throat> that question, the tips for people. I, I aim it at farming because it's a food and farming podcast, but I think it's just general and tips how to like do well. I, it's the same for everything. It's you know have those conversations, try hard, keep going, push for what you're after, and and it's so hard to say it will happen because. If you're one of those people that haven't quite hit that, it will happen. You're like, oh, it's not going to happen. I'd use the example of my podcast. For 15 months, I got, I think the most I got in two weeks was six views. 
you know, and now it's sitting at point four million or whatever. You know, like it's it just pushing it'll happen, man. It's it's a it's a good a good tip. But here, it's been a pleasure. Thank you very much for coming on. Um I hope I hope you've enjoyed yourself. Uh and you know it's been really good. No, yeah. thank you for having me. No, it's been great. It's been great. But um, for those listening, thank you for listening to another episode of the R2 cast. That's been John Austin, a good friend of mine. And uh, we are slowly ticking off everyone in a certain group chat that will remain nameless um, because <laughs> dangerous people in there. It's but... so nice to be upgraded to, to friend at the end of the, at the, end of the podcast, <laughs> instead of what you were saying at the beginning. <laughs> well, in fairness, no wonder, uh, given the situation you put me through, that I looked horrific. Anyway, um, but no, thank you, John, for your time. I appreciate it. Uh, and it's, no, it's thank you all for In general, uh, for those of you listening, um, thanks as always. The next episode with Bethany Welsh, as I said, um, quite a yeah, quite a scary episode, if nothing else. Um, episodes coming up uh, involve quite a few. Ed and I are going to be quite busy tomorrow. We'll get two to film. We have a New Balance affiliated athlete in Rose Davis. So Rose is an Olympian. Uh, she's coming on which will be really cool it's kind of mad actually when I really think about what's been created here on the podcast who we speak to um, there's just so many fantastic folk coming on like John, like Louise and then there are people in like sort of my world that I understand and then totally different folk like Hilary Reid who's coming on who fought for um, female representation in snooker in the 70s like <laughs> it's so strange um, on top of that Louise Patterson um, Claire Whittle who some of you may have heard of she goes by the regenerative vet or dr do whittle which i think is a fantastic name um, that's a tremendous name it's, it's got to be one of the best in it it's really good <laughs> um claire does quite a bit of groundswell does a lot of instagram so looking forward to a chat with her and i just know i just know i know it's going to be one of those chats where i'm going to feel like a buffoon i know it is um another young farmer acyc member and not defending, but last year's joint defending stocks person of the year, I believe, and David Mitchell. Um, then the next episode we'll be having is I don't know if any of you watch Cannon Hall Farm, pretty big on the old televisions, not something I have, but I hear they're big on that. Uh, Richard Nicholson, one of the members of that team, is going to come on to talk about it. And hopefully, just looking at the list here, uh, for those that are truck fans, uh, Becky Giles will be coming on the podcast. I spoke to Becky recently, and uh, we've just got to arrange a date. Um, Dad, if you're listening, I know you're Becky's biggest fan, um, so I hope you enjoy that podcast coming up. John, thank you very much again. No, thank you for having me. Not at all, and uh, thank you all for listening. We'll see you for the next episode of the R2Cast number 141. See you then. I hope you've enjoyed another excellent episode of the R2Cast as much as I have, and I would just like to quickly thank our primary sponsors of the show today, Howden Rural, the new name for A-Plan Rural. If you follow Howden Rural on social media, you'll see the plethora of work that they do to support this sector, and it's been a pleasure to work alongside them so far, and long may it continue. For more information about them, be sure to check out howdeninsurance.co.uk forward slash rural. And I'll see you for the next episode.